He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. Joining us on this Friday afternoon, the hot man, the legend, Craig Humphreys, with us on a Friday. We are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to golfoklahoma.org. Check out everything that they have to offer. Louis Oosthuizen, gentlemen, 11 under par, one bogey in 36 holes. I don't think he's seen a tee shot land yet because he hits it, he picks his tee up, he walks back to his caddy. It has been a simple, simple game of golf for Louis Oosthuizen the first two days. He's made it look um, extremely easy. Like I said, he had that one bogey in there, made a clutch par save on 17, missed the missed the par putt on 16. He got in the old Thomas Bjorn bunker, so he wasn't going to try to attack that pin on you. Leave it in there, you're going to make bogey or I'm sorry, you're going to make double or maybe even triple, which is going to um, would not lead to the two-shot lead that he has now. But watching him eagle 14, the par five, and just that streak of birdies that he had, knowing the fact that I'm like the only person in the world who doesn't have him picked somewhere, and especially one that done <laughs> DraftKings, anything like that. It was just, it was getting hard to watch guys at one point. I mean, because I mean, I don't think there's no doubt in my mind that he's winning this tournament. Really. Is that a guarantee? Huh? A guarantee. Guarantee. I almost now, made now, that. Is that because you actually think he's going to win or because you just assume that since a bunch of other people picked him and you didn't, that he'll win? Both. Both. Okay. Both. Okay. Yep. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, this Open Championship has been kind of different this year, mainly because of the weather, but also just because Royal St. George's is kind of its own beast. And it, it, it turns out we've seen the lowest uh, second-round scoring average in the Open in open history following uh, the lowest first-round scoring average in Open history uh, the past two days. And, you know, like you said, Louis Oosthuizen driving the ball great, 92.86% uh, driving accuracy off the tee and uh putting well to boot and we've seen Louie been putting well all season long and you know I was talking about his strokes gain stats when I was on uh, with my dad this morning and and basically you know putting wise he's having double uh, the best that he's ever had uh, on the greens strokes gain wise he's gaining over a shot on the field per round uh, putting where you know his best uh year in the past strokes gain putting it was 0.44 uh so louis oosthuizen driving it straight hitting greens and and rolling in these putts i mean like that eagle putt we saw louis hit as well i mean louis oosthuizen playing pretty much flawless golf out there yeah and i think this year he leads the pga tour in strokes gain putting i think his previous best in a season was 50th in, in strokes gain putting so he he Used to tinker with putters a lot. Every time he had a bad round putting, he'd switch putters. Now he's not doing that. He he's got the little whatever the weird little, you know, up and the weird little stroke he does with his putter before he actually hits the putt. I don't know. The routine's weird, but it's working for him, Hunt Man. Louis's on a roll. He is. I mean, that's the amazing thing to me is how he has remade himself as a putter. I mean, think that those stroke uh, strokes gain numbers are just incredible. He's, he's picking up over one shot per round on on the field putting. Is that true? I mean, yep. that's just incredible. Yeah, I mean, if you go back and look here, I'm looking at it right now. He's gaining 1.04 shots on the field per round uh, this year. And like I said, in 2017, that was his best putting year where he was not even gaining a half a shot. Uh, and if you look in between there uh, from 2020 uh, to 2018, uh, that his putting stats weren't any good at all. And so basically, you know, Louis Oosthuizen's always been a pretty solid ball striker, but now he's throwing in the putting to boot, and we're seeing the results of it in each of these four majors. Yeah, and I think the thing to note about his putting is that it ha- he hasn't just been the best putter. He's been the best putter by a long ways. He's he's gained 1.09 on the green. Second best is Mr. Skill, Matthew Fitzpatrick. This is over the last six months. Is .9. Garrett Higo, my boy right behind him, is .83. So he's... He's more than he's two point six more per round ahead of the third place. Yeah, I mean that, that's it, pretty dominant. It must be one point oh nine now because the stats I'm looking at were before uh, these past two rounds. So he's even more that's crazy. gaining more shots on the field. Yeah, he's been unbelievable these first two rounds putting. But there are some big names behind him. Morikawa was in second. He had a sixty four today.
Ustay, Spieth, one shot behind Morikawa. Uh, it's 11-9-8, Ustay's and Morikawa, and then Spieth at eight under par. And, I mean, those are three pretty big names sitting atop the leaderboard. Well, and he's also – back to Louis a second. Also, he, he's always been known as a great ball striker, having a great swing. But I saw a stat last night where he's had his best strokes gained approach performance of the season – at a major championship, happened to be at the PGA in each different year. But, like, his best performance in 2014 was at the PGA. He gained over two strokes on the field. and In 2016, it was at the PGA, gained 1.965. 2017, at the PGA, gained 1.625. And, and, and this year, at the PGA, gained 1.645. So it's amazing how you can have your best performance of the whole season in majors. I guess that's why he's finished uh, second in six majors, right? Exactly. And and Colby asked about Morikawa. Morikawa uh, this morning raised his win probability from 5% to 25% per data golf. And that was uh, before Louis Oosthuizen teed off. But basically what I'm saying is, Lu- is Morikawa, you know, just came out of the gates firing today. An absolute ball striking clinic uh, from Morikawa. And it does look like uh, Morikawa is getting settled in on the greens a little bit, and when he gets the putter hot, he's really, really tough to beat. His iron game is pretty silly, really, watching Morikawa hit irons. I mean, he he can lay it back off the tee, leave himself 185 in, stuff it to four feet. The, I wasn't up at 2 a.m. whenever he was playing golf, but I've, I've seen the highlights 10 times today as they've shown them on Golf Channel, and his his iron game is it's unbelievable. It's it, it's silly. It really is silly. And did you see that he tweaked his irons? He changed yes. his irons this last week? Yeah, Because he didn't, he didn't like, like, like the way that the, the, the club was meeting the turf and so he, forth? He went yeah. from the blade, yep. straight blades to the CBs. Okay. Yeah. And it, just in a ra- <laughs> random week. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and now it, he's lighting it up. It proves how good these guys are that no matter what clubs they're using, uh, if they have confidence in them, they're going to you know play good. And Morikawa will be, the if he goes on to win, uh, him and Tiger will be the only two players to win the Open and the PGA before the age of 25. Uh, Morikawa, if he goes on to win, would also become the first player in history to win two different majors in his debut. He won the PGA Championship in his PGA Championship debut. No Open last year. This is his Open Championship debut. He would be the first player in history to accomplish that. Taylor, do you think uh, Morikawa, I mean, 64 today, really low. Can he back that up and and win this weekend? How do you feel about his chances? Well, I I, I said earlier, I guarantee the Louis, (laughs) but I mean, you you look at it, I mean, if you have Morikawa and Spieth, two and three strokes back respectively, obviously, then you got DJ, Scotty Scheffler down there. I'm not going to throw Dylan Fratelli in there just yet. Let me see him on the 69th or 70th hole of the tournament and then I'll I'll may st- I may start looking his way but to tell you the truth I think we can say the same about Scheffler I'm not taking Scheffler serious at this point either my, my man Woody picked him I, I have well, to I I have to stick with Scheffler <laughs> until he falls off I know and that's the, that's fair the, the re- he hasn't won though the, the reason that I like some of these other guys too is is that I haven't looked in depth at the forecast but from what I've heard and a little bit I've seen it doesn't look like there's going to be a 25 mile an hour wind no. day come up it's going to be fairly calm kind of like it was this afternoon where you can kind of go pin seeking and it may be interesting with them knowing the forecast like that they may get the greens a little faster get some other trickier pin locations you might see them tucked a little closer to some of those severe bunkers that we talk about so I think it'll be interesting to see how some of these guys manage around the course which benefits a guy like Morikawa who's 24 years old or however old he is but he plays like he's 42 so and I got to go back to Louis for one more stat players with the most runner-up finishes in all four majors all right players with runner-up finishes in all four majors yep. all right Here's the list. It's Craig Wood, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas. Nicholas had had 19 yeah. major runner-up finishes, obviously, uh, but and, and Arnold had 10. Uh, but uh, Craig Wood, Arnold, Jack, Tom Watson, Greg Norman, Phil Mickelson, Louis has six uh, in major runner-up finishes, and and Dustin Johnson has five. So I mean that's quite a list to be on when when you're included with with Arnie and Jack and Watson and Norman and Dustin Johnson and all that, um, but you know most of the guys on this list. I mean Jack has 18 wins, Arnie had seven, Mickelson had six. You know, um, Louis has one major victory, so he's been up there a bunch of times, but he's going to have to get it done on the weekend, right? Yeah, I mean I'm looking at this leaderboard and the top four guys on the leaderboard right now, other than Fertelli, are Ustazen, Morikawa, Spieth, and DJ. I mean, we couldn't ask for a better leaderboard uh, headed into Saturday and Sunday. So I ask you guys, out of those four guys, 
Uh, who are you most confident in? Is it is it Spieth who has proven to get it done? And obviously DJ, you know, has two. And if Ustazen were to win, he'd have two. And so would Morikawa. Uh, I think if I were to rank just those four and not dip down into the, the Kepka-Rom range, and we can talk about those guys in a little bit, just those four, I'd probably go Spieth one. I'd probably go... Uh, who would I put it to? I'd go Spieth one, probably. This is a confidence ranking, not right, necessarily right, right, who right. you think is going to win, but who would you bet the mortgage on, as I'd, we like I'd to say. I'd say probably Spieth one, DJ two, Morikawa three, Usti four. If I'm prisoner of the moment, I would say Morikawa because it's fresh on my mind. You know, like Kobe said, watched him uh, overnight last night. I mean, was just incredible. Prisoner of the season. What Louis doing this year, guys? Second in the U.S. Open, tied for second in the PGA, <laughs> and now he's he's poised again here. And it wasn't like he was terrible at the Masters, tied for twenty six. And so that that's a real tough one to answer. But then you know, if if you go on track record over a number of years, obviously. You would go with Spieth and DJ, and, and really, even though DJ has been off form for this year, I'd probably go with DJ. And see, the way I look at it is, is that I, I mentioned Louie, and I was kind of joking, but in a sense, I wasn't because, honestly, I would roll with him. One of the main reasons is I think that that bogey that he made on 16 was actually a blessing more than it was a curse because if you go 36 holes at an open not going bogey-free, I mean, you just feel like you're on cloud nine and nothing can go wrong. And so Louie was put in a situation where he ended up missing three greens in a row, 15, 16, and 17, had to make a really good clutch par save on 17, which I think was kind of that slap in the face that he needed to realize hey that you know we still have a lot of golf left to be played and he can be patient and I think he learned a lot from that uh, experience at Torrey where he hit it way left on on 17 yeah Yeah. when he had the whole state of California over to the right (laughs) and so I I think that he's even though he had a couple of loose swings down the stretch I think that that was more of an eye-opener to him than it was a nervous action I will say though that's why he's finished second so many times it's not like he has the epic collapse where he goes and finishes 10th or so he has those little miss miss swings, miss shots that you don't necessarily distinctly remember a time where he choked other than maybe, you know, because it's fresh on our mind at Tory. But if I go back and I say, where did, you know, Louie choke and all those other seconds, it's, you'd probably be hard-pressed to tell me where it was. But what my point is, is that it's those little mistakes that has been keeping him from winning all these majors and becoming an elite champion. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest hurdle to Louis Ustase in winning the championship is Louis Ustase. And I, I actually looked it up. I wanted to know how many times he's teed it up on the PGA Tour. Coming into this week, Louis played 200 PGA Tour events. He's got one win, and I just... Not in America. Me, personally, I have so much trouble backing a guy who I just feel like, I mean, there's a big difference between second and first, mentally. It's just, it's a mental hurdle that he hasn't been able to get over in 11 years, and that's just so hard for me. Whenever I've got guys who are just cold-blooded killers behind him, Morikawa, Spieth, DJ, those guys will go win golf tournaments. I mean, Morikawa's young. He's won four times in 50 starts on the PGA Tour. Already has a major, knows that he can win a major in his debut at that event. I don't know, man. Those those three guys behind hey. him. If it was Justin Harding and Dylan Fratelli chasing him, Louie would run away with it. But he's got some 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 guys behind him, some dudes. And I don't think we spent enough time on Jordan Spieth. He's been extremely impressive this week, not only off the tee putting it in play, but when I think about Jordan Spieth playing winning golf, it's him, you know, making those five to eight foot swinging par putts and birdie putts and those putts you have to make uh, to win major championships. And so far this week, he's doing that, uh, sitting there eight under in third place. Jordan Spieth, to me, uh, is definitely the one to look out for over the weekend. I mean, he's had such good open championship performance, not just his win in 2017, but going all the way back. He seems to never really play poorly here, whether the conditions be good or bad. So I think speed definitely has to be someone to look at. But one of the reasons I like Louie, because kind of like you alluded to, Sam, is, you know, we look back on these these second places that Louie had, and besides the one at Torrey that sticks out to us, we can't really pick a moment where he, he collapsed. And I think he's just, he's swinging so well that I don't think there's any scenario where he doesn't have a chance on the back nine on Sunday. I don't think there's, you know, like, for example, the, the what Bryson did at the U.S. Open, he was leading on the back nine, finished 26th or whatever. Right. I don't think there's any way that Louis could happen. To, and I'm not saying that that would happen to Speed or Morikawa or anything like that. I'm just saying I think he's swinging so well and in, in, in such control of his game that if he does lose, I think it's going to be from one of these other guys, like you said, Colby, going out and chasing and beating him. I don't think Louis is going to lose the tournament. Is, well, and it's interesting what Speed has done this week because remember, he last played in the U.S. Open. And because he had played a, a, 
hectic uh, schedule this spring. He had elected to take some time off. Has he not played since the U.S. Open? Yeah, had, had, hadn't played. I totally missed that. Yeah, and, and it really hasn't been that long ago. And, and, and yeah. well, and, yeah. and he said that was kind of a concern coming in here. You know, because when when you haven't played in a little while, you, you come into a, a, a difficult track, and he said, you think you can have a little bit of rust early. And so I was concerned about that, talking about his first round on Thursday. And he said, there's just a little extra nerves when, you, when you're not coming off playing the week before, you know, just getting started. And he said, I hit some really good shots early in the round on Thursday, which I think was important. Well, you look at what he's done now, guys. In his last counting today, in his last 14 rounds in the majors, he's had 465s. He's had had 10 rounds in the 60s, you know, out of his last 14 rounds in the majors. And so, and remember, he finished tied for third at the Masters this year. And and like T-Dub said, I mean, he's got a pretty good track record in the British Open. He was the 54-hole uh, co-leader at Carnoustie in, in 2018. Now, he didn't make a birdie in the final round that time, uh, tied for ninth. But, uh, hey, I mean, you you got to love the way he's playing. I mean, his confidence seems to be back at a level, you know, maybe not at its height, but pretty close. Yeah, and talking about Louie, you know, uh, obviously I put him in my DraftKings lineup this week. The numbers were just too good to me all around not to put him in that lineup. Um, but I just hope that the pressure of having to keep that foot on the gas throughout the weekend at a major championship, especially when he's the only guy holding the lead right now, everyone else kind of has that chasing hunters mentality. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen is the one that has to keep that lead, but to keep that lead uh, on a course like this, this weekend, you're going to have to go out and get it and make some birdies. So I, I hope that Louis can go do that because I'd love to see Louis win. Yeah. How do y'all feel about the way this tournament has played? Because I mean, the vast majority of the field, I shouldn't say the vast majority. There a bunch of the fields under par. Uh, cup, all the one overs are in. The two overs are out, which we don't usually see at an open. Course is playing soft. They've gotten a bunch of rain. Some wind kicked up yesterday afternoon, but there hasn't been much of that to speak of. They said it's going to be even lower this weekend. I, I don't know. It's the course isn't very punishing. It doesn't seem like many of the bunkers are in play off the tee with how soft it is. I don't know. It just it it's anytime a guy makes a bogey, it's like whoa. A bogey. And that's, I feel like I don't usually feel that way about the Open. So I don't know, how do y'all feel about the way the first two rounds have played? Yeah, I think, like you mentioned, Colby, with the exclusion of the yesterday's afternoon, there really wasn't much penalization for anything. You know, the greens don't get away from you too much. We, we mentioned the bunkers, but whenever there's not that much wind, you're not putting yourself in the greenside bunkers that often, especially with these players being so good. They can place the ball essentially wherever they want. I just, I think that whenever you set up for an Open, you risk it on the fine line so much because if you get the greens fast and you try to set it up tough if you do get some of that wind and everything then it just gets out of control then you have the 2015 St. Andrews incident where you have to postpone a, a whole round because the wind's blowing 35 miles an hour and and we all don't want that to happen but one thing too guys you know we mentioned it and I'm the biggest guy against uh, the dial it back thing and all that but this is a course guys I mean it, it doesn't even go 7100 from what I understand so I mean it's just it's not long enough to, to put up if there's not if there's not any wind yeah but I will say Bryson has been trying to overpower this course and to be honest, he didn't do a very good job of it. The way that you use your link to your advantage on this course is to use driving irons and, and put the ball in play. And we've seen it from all the guys at the top of the leaderboard. They're all up there on driving accuracy and putting it in play. I thought it was going to be someone off the radar win this week because I, I was looking for the quirky, you know, Royal St. George's with the wind and so forth, and where length was not a huge advantage. So normally we say the tough conditions eliminate the rest of the field, right, and, and separate the, the cream of the crop. I think it's opposite this week. I think the easy conditions this week have brought the cream of the crop to the top because you, you need – you know, some adversity or bad conditions, whatever, to, to deter the top players in the world. It, what, you know, whether it's, you know, rough up to the knees, which they have that, you know, but they don't have the wind. And the wind is the main thing. Because if you have a high wind week this week, well, then I think it would eliminate a lot of these strong hitters. But it's out there like Palm Springs with no wind whatsoever <laughs> and soft conditions. You know, the, the, the greens really haven't firmed up that much. The fairways are soft, and so the ball is not rolling out into the heavy stuff and so forth. And so if conditions are totally normal, well, then the best players are, are, are going to be there at the top. And, and that's what we're seeing right now. So I thought it was going to be someone off the radar. No, all the top players, especially today, 
the top players just surge to the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, and that's why it doesn't necessarily bother me how they set up the course because if you get conditions that are wet leading up to the British Open and then, you know, um, it, it just doesn't bother me when – uh, I don't think they should try to make it hard just to make it hard. I mean, if it's perfect conditions, the score should be low, especially on a course like that when you know the conditions have been so wet that the greens aren't being re- or that the greens are very receptive. Yeah. And so, if the greens are receptive and the weather's perfect, then I don't mind seeing low scores. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they should have set it up differently. It's just the way it's playing. Because one of one of the most fun things to me about the Open Championship is the bunkering on all these courses is so phenomenal, and it is so penalizing and we have seen so little of it but it's not it's not something that they can control they got a lot of rain the last few weeks the course is soft but now guys are hitting these tee shots up the left and right side of the fairways and where in some other years they would land and then they would just take this mega hop into a fairway bunker now they're just landing and kind of cozying up in the fairway and we're throwing an eight iron up to five feet so i don't think that they should have set it up differently but just because it's so soft has taken one of my favorite elements of the tournament somewhat out of play. I agree with you and I also think that it has brought some younger guys into into contention in this thing such as like a Morikawa or a Scotty Scheffler who have never played in a British Open they go over there and they go what's the big deal about this I mean you know it's like target golf over there (laughs) this week uh, because there's no weather and the greens there's no firmness to the fairways or greens and so there's no real difference uh, other than the visual of it than it than it is in you know regular PGA Tour event yeah Yeah. go ahead I was just gonna say normally you know with an open championship you see fairly wide fairways because like we said they're so firm and you run off and you don't want to hit a perfect tee shot down the middle of fairway and have it run into the hay so you kind of have a not necessarily a Carson Creek-esque effect but you have fairway then you have tall stuff where it's like you know if we have a little bit of prognostication you no know, if, if we knew it was going to be softer could have maybe narrowed the fairways a little bit maybe had a second cut of some sort but unfortunately you can't see months into the future and that's why we can't have things like that happen so whenever you get a nice soft course like this i mean there's the only defense you have possible is the wind and when there is no wind there's nothing you can do about it and adding to that is today the greens hit almost the perfect speed for these guys because yesterday a bunch of them were leaving putts short because the greens are so much slower than what they've been used to playing recently. And today they speeded up by a foot or so, just firming up a little bit and speeding up. So it made it almost the perfect tolling speed uh, today for these guys. And so it's just no defense there. Yeah, it really was. I know just going down a little bit, one guy you liked, it was your dark horse, Craig, was Jason Day. I liked Jason Day. He's got an early flight back to the States, which means he can head to the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma to get some treatment. Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley. Go see them. Both avid golfers. I'm sure they're loving what's taking place at Royal St. George's. High-quality, individualized patient care. Total, complete spine care. Dr. Beecham does non-invasive. The Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley recently received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in all of North America. Head to the Spine Clinic OK dot com spine clinic located just off britain and broadway extension here in oklahoma city Uh, all right heading down the leaderboard a little bit more i want to talk about the guys at five because i am not quite ready to rule out brooks kepka or john rom in this golf tournament both great rounds today john rom 64 probably could have been lower uh brooks kepka he shot a 66 four under par uh and he had the double bogey at the fourth he talked about it after the round talked his caddy into hitting three wood off the tee should have hit driver and then he, he made a mental mistake, left it at his feet, coming off the green. Uh, so Kepka, Rom, Taylor, we'll start with you. E- either of these guys you think can make up a six-shot deficit over two rounds? I-, I think that both of these guys have a chance to finish top five, maybe even potentially top three. I think unless one of them just goes out and goes bananas tomorrow um, with how easy the course will be, I think that uh, Morikawa, Louie, or Spieth, or even DJ, I think will shoot a low enough score to where one one of those guys will have to shoot a 65 or better to be able to get it within striking distance. But is it out of the realm of possibility? Absolutely not. They could do it. It's just a matter of I think some of those other guys up there may have it secure. Because, like, for example, if, if, both the, if one of those guys just goes 65-65, that puts them at 15 under. With the easy conditions, I'm not sure 15 under wins the tournament. Yeah, yeah I mean, Brooks Kepka, you know, drove the ball great today, and he loves his driver. You know, that's what he said after he the round. He does love his driver. <laughs> he does love his driver. Yeah, but, Craig, Kepka or Rom? 
Any, any, any love this I mean, weekend? My, my confidence uh, is more in Rom. Although I, I do think it's amazing that Kepka can come in there early in the week and say, I just do not like this golf course. I don't like all the blind shots. I don't like this or that. Haven't touched the club in two weeks. But but at, but he even said at the time, no, that won't keep me from you know from playing well. I can still play well even though I don't like a golf course. He said, I've, I've played well a number of times when I don't like a course. But he's proving it again this week, you know, because he doesn't care for the golf course and, and playing great. My confidence is more in Rom just because Rom is just on this tremendous roll what he he really had seven top tens since last nine events coming into this. If if we count Memorial, Memorial as which a top would 10. have been a win, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, so the guy's just on a tremendous roll right now. What you know didn't have it on Thursday, but but you know he goes out. That was a bogey free sixty four today, mm-hmm. right for for John Rahm. Um, so but. But I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't bet on them to come back and win the thing. But but I, I wouldn't count them out either. I mean, my my confidence is definitely in Rom. I know that I love Brooks Kepka, and obviously I love everything he's said this week uh, regarding Bryson and and the subtle jabs at Bryson. But when I look at Rom, like you just said, Dad, it's hard to go against him sitting at five under and bogey free. You know, birdies on six, seven, nine, thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen today. No bogeys. You have to be scared of John Rom throwing a couple more, you know, mid mid to low sixties at him on the weekend. I think that might actually get it done. I, I mean, I'll even say, I'm I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility that Brandon Grace's sixty two that he shot back in twenty seventeen could be matched this weekend. It's a par seventy golf course. It's a short golf course. It's playing soft. Very little wind. I mean, they said on the broadcast this afternoon that the conditions are supposed to be more scorable the next two days than, they, than they've yeah. been the first two days. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility no. that we could see a, a 62, maybe a couple 63s so, thrown up at some point this weekend. Just real quick, the wind forecast, uh, these past two days were 10 to 20. Tomorrow it's 15, and then the last day it's like, Zero to ten. <laughs> Zero to ten. Yeah, how often does that happen in an open? Maybe once in our lifetimes that I can I, think. Well, I mean, maybe once a decade we get very little wind, but e- even that might be a stretch. Well, and speaking of Kepka, uh, it is incredible the year that he's having, right, guys? And you guys talk about this all the time. But in his last 14 events coming into this, seven top sevens, six of them were top fives, but he also has six missed cuts. I mean, it's, it's just mind-boggling. How he gears his game for the majors and just doesn't care about the other events. Coming but, off injury as well. Those other events are just practice rounds. That's crazy. Brooks Kepka. I mean, really, that's what they are. They're practice yeah. rounds. Just feel out your swing, feel out your putter, just feel it all out. They're practice rounds. Speaking of that, Koepke. just real quick, Louis Eusthazen attributed going over to the Scottish Open. Uh, the week before last week to how well he's played this week. He said getting over there, you know, and and kind of or was it? It was Morikawa. Was it Morikawa or Louis Ustazen? Well, Morikawa. Morikawa was the thing. one. Yeah, Talk it was Morikawa that, that attributed yeah. uh, going over to the Scottish and, and, and he didn't even the, play that well at the Scottish. No, either, but, but he got well used to all, it. Did he? That, yeah. I, I'm I mean, sorry, it, everything. I'm sorry. It was Morikawa, and he attributed, you know, kind of yeah. feeling out the fescue grass and and really learning how to play over there. That it was definitely Morikawa because he was talking about you know it being his first time over there and how much that helped him. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break? Let's come back on the other side. We're going to talk about maybe some guys who love their drivers, maybe some guys who don't. And we'll get into that <laughs> and much, much more. Give you our picks for the weekend uh, as we continue to roll on here. Appreciate everyone listening. This is 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today.
Jack rolling along here on a Friday with our halfway recap here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. I will say one great thing about the British Open, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We're just hanging out, talking a little golf. The tournament's over for the day. I uh, I, I don't wake up at 2 a.m. to watch it anymore. I did when I was younger. Now I wake up at about 7 a.m. and I still get a good seven hours of viewing in. But I, I'll be real honest, I enjoy the golf being over for the day at 2 o'clock. It is a good feeling. I mean, I, I have to say that, like I said, I, I'm the same way, Cole, because it's like I, I try to get up. We were talking about this uh, bef- before we started, where you get up get up early and you watch. The problem is whenever you first start, because they don't do split tee times, you only have half the course is occupied. So the best time to watch it is about kind of that mark, Colby, where you kind of – once there's people on the last few holes of the back nine, because that's when the first – you know, obviously people are still going off of one. That's when you get a lot of the action. That's the best time to watch it. Best time to watch is nine to noon when I've been on the air, so I <laughs> you're right. That is the yeah. best time hey, to watch. Colby, every year I say I'm not going to do it anymore, but it draws me in, and I wake up in the middle of the night. First night, I went back to sleep. I thought, I'm going back to sleep. I laid there five minutes. I thought, who am I kidding? I got up and I watched it, you know, but... <laughs> But on, on Morikawa, though, I found myself drifting off to sleep about half the time this morning, you know, when I tried to get up at 3.30. But. Yeah, I woke up early the first day, felt great, but then it finally caught up to me. I woke up at 4.30 today uh, to watch the golf, and, and then, you know, I had to go on the air with not only Steelman, but then uh, Huntman sitting right here. But basically, I, I was it was about 6 a.m., and I was like, man, I am tired. And so I took a nap from like 6 a.m. to 8.45 and then nice. went on the air. And then now I've been up, so now I feel good. So I I clearly can't pull an all-nighter like I used to be able to. Used to whenever we were younger because, I mean, I I know y'all were too, and I was such a huge Tiger fanatic that, I mean, if Tiger teed off at 118 our time, I was setting an alarm for 117 our time. I was staying and, up from the night before. Yeah, oh, I, would, I would watch. I bet you were playing some nap. Call of Duty until then. You're 100 percent right. Exactly. I would be wearing out some Call of Duty until Tiger <laughs> teed off. Whenever I was younger, but uh, all right, we need to talk equipment manufacturing, gentlemen. Equipment manufacturing has come a long way, but it has not come far enough for some people. Bryson DeChambeau, after his first round at Royal St. George's, said, and I quote: "The driver sucks." Well, Bryson DeChambeau is mega-sponsored by Cobra. He plays Cobra co- clubs. Cobra works very hard to keep Bryson DeChambeau happy. They weren't really thrilled with that. Uh, ben Shulman, who's a tour operations manager for Cobra Golf, who, by the way, is the same guy who caddied for him at the Rocket Mortgage, said uh, it's just really, really painful when he says something that stupid. He has never really been happy, ever. Like, it's very rare when he's happy. He, he went on to say some other stuff about him acting like an eight-year-old. The tabloids over there are having a field day with it. Let me just read the Bryson DeChambeau apology statement, and then everybody can react. Bryson, this morning, it came out, said, the comment I made in my post-round interview today was very unprofessional. My frustration and emotions over the way I drove the ball today boiled over. I sucked today, not my equipment. Cobra and I have worked together for more than five years, and they are some of the hardest working people in the industry and make an incredible product. Their team is like family to me especially Ben Showman, who has been there for me every step of the way since I started my career. I deeply regret the words I used earlier. I am relentless in pursuit of improvement and perfection. Part of that causes me to become outwardly frustrated at times. With the new speeds I am obtaining, my game is a constant work in process, progress, and so is controlling my emotions. Bryson, off the course, storyline, what's new? I mean, what does Bryson want? Some magic wand that, you know, you can swing at 135 and have 200 mile per hour ball speed and hit it down right down the center every time? I mean, what's his deal? And, you know, his whole thing about, you know, the I just think he needs to fix his approach uh, to the game, first of all, especially at a course like uh, Royal St. George's. And he also needs to fix his attitude because if you look at his life lately, I mean, his caddy quit on him and then he's beefing with the other guy that caddied for him, who is also uh, one of his sponsors in Cobra. So I think, you know, it's the old saying, if it's everyone else except for you, you know, it's probably yourself. It's probably you. I have have a couple questions here. One is that he he tweeted – that off of his Twitter account. Well, remember a few months ago when Sam Burns won and he tweeted congratulations about how happy that he won? (laughs) So how do we even know that this is Bryson DeChambeau's apology (laughs) at this point? We don't even know because we've got too many people running his account. And probably Justine Reed. It probably is at this point. She has too many to count. And, you know, I thought it was funny a couple shows ago we were kind of joking because I think it was Sam that made a comment said that maybe uh, Bryson could teach Ricky how to not play on Sundays. So I was like, so does Cobra (laughs) suck? Is that the whole point of it? And Bryson confirmed it for us. He confirmed 
confirmed you did. our question. You you literally said that on the last podcast. You yeah. said so. Does does that just mean Cobra sucks? And then Bryson goes out. The driver sucks. I, I, <laughs> I mean, and here's what I'm gonna say. I mean. How big of a crybaby do you have to be? I mean, like, I understand that if you're if you're a little off and, and your game's not there, so be it. But don't completely slam the manufacturer and the people that have been trying to get you your equipment optimized to the highest degree. Because, I mean, first of all, that's just a slam. And, I mean, like I said, like Colby um, iterated to it perfectly, this it pissed the sponsor off big time. I mean, yeah. Cobra did not like that. Hot man, you've covered golf a lot longer than we have. You've been around... Have you ever seen a back and forth in a single no. day between a player no. and an equipment manufacturer like what we saw yesterday? Yeah, in, in public. And, and like someone said, this is something, if you really do have this big a problem, this is something you, you go behind closed doors and you get into a private room and you can hash it out. But it bothers, what bothers me about Bryson is he needs to learn to take responsibility. And, and going back to the U.S. Open, when he shoots a six over 77 last month on, in, in the final round, remember he was leading after 11 holes and all of a sudden and, and, and chops it up and ends up shooting an eight over 44 on the back nine. And so they asked him about it afterward, and he said, oh, it was just, you know, it was bad breaks and the ball not bouncing my way and this and that. None of it was his fault, right? And, and then you had the situation that you mentioned with, with the caddy and, and it happens after the pro-am, but the day before the tournament. And I, I don't know exactly what happened, but it, it almost looks like that, that the caddy, Tim Tucker walked out on him and said, I finally, I've, I've, I've had enough. I don't know what happened, but the point is in, in that weekend in Detroit at the rocket mortgage, one of his, his major sponsors, rocket mortgage is paying him a ton of money. Rocket mortgage is spending a ton of money for advertising. Rocket mortgage is sponsoring a PGA tour event. And he goes out there and misses the cut with Ben Showman on the bag. And then he takes off and doesn't even talk to the media and, and, and leaves his sponsor rocket mortgage in Detroit right there in their hometown with egg on their face, you know, He's got to learn to take responsibility, whether it's talking to the media in Detroit, whether it's, you know, owning up to bad shots he hit on the final, you know, nine of a U.S. Open or owning up to what happened yesterday when he hit four out of 13. His driving accuracy was tied for the second worst in the first round. You know, only uh, Ryan Fox of New Zealand hit fewer fairways yesterday. He hit three out of 14 instead of four out of 14. And so then after the round, it's the driver's fault. He needs to learn to take responsibility. That's a really good point, bringing up the U.S. Open, because we said that right after the U.S. Open as well. You know, I think that the British tabloids had a great headline before the week even started. It, they, they had a headline with uh, Brooks and Bryson, and it said beef sandwich. And basically, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I think that week after week, Brooks proves to be more likable, and Bryson proves to be more of a douche. Yeah, I think... I think I've been more neutral probably than both of y'all have and probably more neutral than most people have on the Brooks Bryson thing because, you know, I look at Bryson and I see someone who's clearly socially awkward. Like, he, you know, the match stuff, the, the stuff he puts on social media in the Brooks Bryson feud, he's clearly socially awkward. He, he's very, you can tell he's very uncomfortable with the Brooks feud. And so I have... I haven't necessarily been a defender of Bryson, but I've been much more neutral on Bryson than I think a lot of people have. But man, the stuff yesterday really, really bothered me. It, it just, and it's like you said, huh, man, you, you know, and you play with people like this, you finish a round and, or you finish a hole and it's always some external factor. It's, right. it's never their fault. You, you know, they never did anything wrong. You never hit a bad shot. Me, I played in a tournament over July 4th. I didn't play very well. I, I didn't get upset during my round. You know, I missed a fair while I hit it in the water. I made a bad swing. Right. I'm in a bad swing. I don't need. I don't need a new set of clubs. I didn't go buy a new set of clubs. I need to make better swings. I just, I, I hate the mentality of always, always blaming some external force for your shortcomings, and that's what it's really turned into with Bryson. So I, I think that he needs to, um, honestly, maybe seek some some psychological help to help him deal with this stuff because he's having a really rough couple of months, and I think that it's all just boiling up to where now he's he's losing control of his emotions, and we're seeing it time and time again. Yeah, we never know, guys. We, there may be something going on off the course that's completely horrible, and it could be leading to, to a lot of this, but until we know that, I'm, I'm not going to use that as an excuse for him, but you just look at the repeatability of things. You brought it up perfectly, Hump Man. The Rocket Rocket Mortgage didn't have a... There was no tournament 
tournament in Detroit. Rocket Mortgage made it to where there was a tournament in yeah. Detroit. That's the whole reason that they had a tournament there. And their biggest sponsor at the time, because Ricky's not wasn't up there as much anymore, um, DeChambeau just up and leaves, and he fires his caddy that same week. And it's just the and like Colby mentioned, the awkwardness in the in the match, and you could tell Aaron Rodgers was starting to get a little frustrated with him at times. <laughs> he was. And it's like if once you if, if you just see one of these instances, you can say okay, we'll, we'll let that slide. But it's just. One after another after another, and here's here's one question I want to pose to you three, and tell me what y'all think about this. I know I know it's kind of dumb to do this because it's a huge what if thing, but and I know Bryson he he won the Arnold Palmer and he won the Rocket Mortgage last year, but let's say Bryson didn't go out and win Wingfoot by six strokes, what would we be thinking of his strategy right now? Um, I, I well, mean, had he, had he not done that, we'd probably be thinking that's uh, a good point, Tito. Probably be thinking it's a little foolish, but. Yeah, I mean, real quick, I mean, that's what I my next point was going to be was it, just golf-wise. If you look at just on the golf course, none of the other beef with Bro- or beef with Brooks or anything like that, if you just look at his course management, is it really the driver's fault when you put yourself 40 yards from the green in the hay and can't even hit the green, much less put it close? Well, one thing that's ridiculously underrated about his win at winged foot, everybody act like he was just piping it down there in the rough every time and, and doing that. He hit more... He, he hit a higher percentage of the fairways at Wingfoot than the field average. Yes. Everybody was missing fairways. He hit more than the field average. And, Craig, you had the, the stat a while ago. He was, what would you say, second to worst in the first round in driving accuracy? Right. That's not close to the field average. And he's Bryson, blowing the field it's away. It's a you problem. Yeah. It's it, a you it, problem. These fairways are big. And he even talked in his post-round interview yesterday that he was struggling to control his, his length with his wedges because his driver was getting into this first cut and stuff. Hit your three wood off the tee. Hit a nine iron into the green. Stop trying to force it to a yardage that you're not good from anyway. Thank you, Colby. And he's blowing away the field and driving distance this week. And where did that get him? Making the cut on the number. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was one missed putt away from, from having a flight home back to Dallas like he did at the one tournament where he thought he missed the cut. <laughs> and, and I would think he might have a better chance at, at, at a British Open than, than other majors because in, in some British Open courses like St. Andrews or whatever, you can you know kind of hit it wild and, and get away with it. I saw numbers uh, last night uh, going into today. He had played nine rounds. Well, today was his 10th round ever at a British Open. He still does not have a round in the 60s. He, he shot an even wow. par, 70 today. Uh, he's 23 over par on those 10 rounds. And coming into today, he was hitting 55.6% of the greens in regulation. So Whoa. that's not going to win you many golf tournaments, right, guys? I mean, that's exactly. way low, especially in the conditions this week. You know, if it's an open where the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour, uh, I mean, we saw Royal St. George's in 2003 and 2011, their 55% of the fairways were hit those two years. This isn't that. This right. is a Royal St. George's that's very gettable, and uh, Bryson's not going out and getting it. Brooks, of course, today uh, made sure to say in his post-round interview, <laughs> drove the ball well today, love my driver. My question, hey, one question I got for you guys, too. How long do you think Brooks was waiting to say that? Like, do you think he was thinking, like, when he was hitting range balls this morning, ooh, once I get interviewed after the round, I'm going to make this comment. Like, like, or as soon as he saw it yesterday, he say, next time I get a talk, I'm going to talk go, good about my driver. He goes, let me play good tomorrow, and then I'm going to let him, let him have it. If, if you saw his tweets and Instagrams as well, uh, he captioned a picture of him hitting a driver and said, driving into the weekend. Well, and I, I was halfway expecting Brooks Kepka last night before he went to bed to post a picture of himself in in bed with his driver, like his, <laughs> like his driver on the pillow. I thought he was going to put his driver in the bed on the pillow next to him and then ha- have a picture of him with his driver and in the bed. What's kind of funny, too, is is Huntman kind of talked about his weird year earlier. He's been switching drivers throughout the year, too. Like, he's been through a few different ones. He went back to the M1, or not the M1, the M5. Talking about Kepka? Yeah. Kepka, yeah, Kepka, yeah. So, Didn't he have okay. Strixon in the bag well, for a while? No, I think he meant yeah, Strix, Strix and Iron. Strix, Strix and Iron. Save yeah. Strix strokes. Well, yeah, and, and Brooks, you know, what started the whole beef was basically Brooks going like, can you believe this guy? And just time and time again, Brooks, it, it, it's not necessarily Brooks initiating the beef. He's just basically saying, can you believe this guy? Yeah, basically Bryson does something silly, and then Brooks has a quick little reaction to it. And everybody's like, Brooks! Yeah. Hey, and you guys are far more technical than, than I am, and you understand drivers a lot better than I do. But I saw Chambly talking about this last night, and, and basically he's saying that, look, you, you're, you're trying to use you know this small degree of loft, and so if you do this, well, what you have to do is – you have to open the face of the driver if you're going to have that small degree of loss and, uh, of loft. And, and 
One of the things DeChambeau was complaining about yesterday, he said, this has happened since 2016-17 when players stopped uh, drawing the ball. He, he goes, there's not many golfers that, that draw it anymore, and it's not because of spin rate. Everyone thinks it is. We're, we're at 2,000 RPM, whatever, 1,800 spin or whatever. He goes, it's not. It's literally the physics and the way that they build heads now. It's not the right design, and unfortunately, we've been trying to fix it without results yet. And, and so – I think a lot of what he's saying is true, and he's frustrated by it and so forth. But but the manufacturers, I mean, uh, you know, Brandel Chambly was saying Cobra is known as having the top guys in the business. And he, and he mentioned, you know, the top guy, and his name doesn't come to mind right now, but he said this guy is respected as, as like a genius, you know, engineering-wise and so forth. And they're doing everything they can to help Bryson DeChambeau, and and supposedly he's been involved every step of the way, you know. And so, again, I think that, you know, he can't complain that, hey, these guys aren't getting – you know, evidently they're trying to make things to his specifications, and, and it's just not working. Yeah, and Sam, I really like what you said earlier. It's not a magic wand. Yeah. It's, a, it's a golf yeah. club. It's made up of, of metal and steel and alloy and all these other things. It's not a magic wand. You can't just expel the armus and all of a sudden you have this perfect <laughs> four-degree driver that you can swing 135 miles per hour. Even Justin Thomas on Instagram, Zyre Golf posted some Cobra's response to Bryson about his driver. Justin Thomas commented on it on Instagram and said, never would have thought swinging at 135 plus miles per hour, it'd be hard to drive it straight. You'd think Mr. Physics would know that. (laughs) I mean, Bryson, you're swinging harder than anyone's ever swung. You're demanding more from your golf club than anyone's ever demanded. It's it's not a magic wand. Yeah, that that was my point when I said that was basically I don't care if you go to Titleist, Ping, uh, TaylorMade, you know who else has a great driver, Callaway. Not you're not going to be able to hit every single fairway if you swing as hard as Bryson does. It's just simple common sense. Also, he was complaining about the miss hits. How good can a miss hit really be when you're swinging 135 miles an hour? It's a serious question, I, and I don't know the answer because I'm not a physicist. Well, first of all, Colby, I want to shout you out on your Harry Potter comment there with the Expelliarmus <laughs> there. You got all, all the Harry Potter uh, folklore guys out there. You please them. But one thing, and notice is that Bryson even mentioned this when he started to bulk up. He looked at the long drive guys and kind of what they're doing, and what, one of the things the long drive guys are most known for is having low lofted drivers and longer drivers. Well, you know what happens when a lot of those long, long drive guys miss a shot it's a hundred miles offline yeah and they, there's a reason for that <laughs> they have they hold it down at Windstar. anytime one of those guys don't hit the little landing strip it lands in fort worth yeah it, <laughs> it's, it's literally a hundred yards offline so how are you gonna be mad at your ball goes 10 yards offline hey yeah. and how do we know this isn't a ball problem like is it a necessarily a driver problem or is it a ball problem too because those long drive guys i know they use like vulvix and pinnacles and weird stuff like that uh you know it it, it is it? Are we talking about the wrong thing here? Yeah, maybe. Well, and the other thing that Ben Showman said when he got fired up talking to Golf Week yesterday, he said everybody is looking for the magic bullet. He says, well, the magic bullet becomes harder to find the faster you swing and the lower your loft gets. Yep. Yeah. It's just a fact. 100%. Yep. That's just the way it works. All right. That's uh, it's about enough time on today's show spent on Bryson DeChambeau. Let's talk about some <laughs> other guys. Uh, Tony Finau sitting here at four under par. Shane Lowry. I really respect the way Shane Lowry bounced back after what was a pretty tough start yesterday in the win trying to defend his title. 65 today. He's at four under. Your boy Cam Smith is at four under. Danny Willett, former Masters champion, is at four under. Go down another stroke. You get to Daniel Berger, Sergio Garcia, Justin rows anybody in this kind of three two three four under range that we think could maybe shoot one of those 63s the next couple days and vault up into the top five or ten i could throw a couple names out there one guy that i, I don't think he's going to contend for the tournament but my man marcel seam at six under he's a true legend he's out there with, with the man bun just gaming away <laughs> fist pumping during interviews and stuff i mean he's he is a legend and he earned his way in last yeah. week by winning a challenge event last week right? oh really is yep. that how marcel he got seam, yeah. yes. 302nd ranked player in the world but, by the How way, high? just just the guys <laughs> at six under, just the guys at six under. It's just it's all lower level players at six under. Emiliano Grillo, Justin Harding, Marcel Seam, Andy Sullivan, and Daniel Van Tonder. Those are your five guys at six under par. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the winner doesn't come from the sixes. 
By the way, r- real quick, while, while you asked the question about the fours and the threes, I want I want to shout out Paul Casey's caddy Johnny Longsocks. I mean, if y'all haven't seen this guy's <laughs> socks, they are yeah. unbelievable. Johnny Longsocks, dude, had yesterday he had the British flag, UK flag, whatever they call it, over there on his socks, and they were just beautiful. Also, I want to. Did any of y'all see? I, I, I guess it wasn't this year. It was a couple years ago. Kevin Kisner wore a seventeen seventy six hat. At the British Open, I did not see that. What, did you say it was this year or previous? I think year? it was. I think it was 2019. <laughs> well, 2019 is not as cool because they weren't in England. This what? year, this year would have been the best because this year it may have been 2018. I'm not sure. Okay, I, it was just throwback to when Kevin Kisner wore 1776. <laughs> Let, let's do okay. So we're fixing to do a cool little lineup thing, but first, I want biggest disappointments. Everybody, find a biggest disappointment oh, easy. for me. Yours is easy. Fire away. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it was my one and done pick, Cantlin. I mean, he was he was he was he was fifth fifth in the odds chance to win. Goes out and he 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 makes the luckiest putt ever on twelve to get it back to even, and then ends up proceeding to triple thirteen. So then he's he's just out of it and ends up only shooting one under today. Not able to to get it in at three of. So yeah, I mean, I, he's definitely my number one disappointment. If I was going to throw anyone else out there, I'd go maybe Phil just because he was he didn't just miss the cut. He didn't even sniff it. Shot eighty yesterday. We pretty much nailed it on Phil last time we had our show saying that we didn't have any good feelings about Phil this week. My two disappointments would have to be Patrick Reed, who I put in my DraftKings lineup like an idiot. I don't know why I would ever pick Patrick Reed, but for some reason I did. Yeah, you, you uh, should have known that that late early tea time that, that Justine was he, he complaining must, about on Twitter. Yeah, he must, must not be able to play. Must yep. have been under and then, skin. And then my other one has to be uh, Terrell Hatton. I mean, what a story that guy was today. Uh, I, I don't know if we can repeat some of the things that he said on the course today, but he did uh, have one of the all-time club breaks today. He tried to snap his iron about three times. He, he put it, he held it by the grip, put the head on the ground, I think it was a wedge maybe, and he stepped on the middle of it two or three times, walked over and handed it to his caddy. He flipped off a fan today. He, he cursed <laughs> I saw, he, he cursed at a fan today. It's just, I, it was Tyrrell Hatton at his finest. I saw a tweet that said he's going to get fined by the PGA Tour, the RNA, the US, the, all the, these the, other. The Queen of England European probably. Tour. Yeah. Yeah. For, well, this is easy from day one to day two. It's got to be Stuart Sink who fired yes. a 66 yep. yesterday, came back with a 77 today to miss the cut by Ooh. a couple of shots. So just couldn't yeah, sink any putts. At, at, at 48 years old, I mean, he had a chance. Remember, he disappointed us, most of us, back in 2009 when he beat All the great us. Tom Watson, when Watson was trying to win at age 59. Well, sink, he was in position after day one. You're thinking, could he become the oldest ever to win the British Open? Because it, it's what old, old Tom Morris or whatever at forty six years old and and, and Sink was forty. Well, Sam doesn't count golf way well, back then. So. <laughs> well, Sam well, doesn't count golf. That's before, not a problem before because, Tiger came because on he shot seventy seven and missed the cut. I, I would go with with Cantlay or, or Reed. My personal disappointment is Jason Day for shooting seventy five because I went with him as a dark horse uh, instead of Shane Lowry. Uh, and uh, and Dave blew himself out. He did come back with a with a seventy today. Had to birdie a few holes coming in just to get back to that, but uh, obviously missed the cut by four shots. Boys, by the way, of the guys that missed the cut by one shot, the story has to be Mark Leishman, uh, who broke his putter and then putted with a wedge and birdied his last two holes <laughs> and still almost made the cut. Oh, wow. that would have been legendary. <laughs> I, can I can I give a biggest disappointment who made the cut? I'm going to give the biggest disappointment who made the cut. All right. I really thought Roy McIlroy would contend this week. I, I, I thought that his game was in a better shape. I know he missed the cut last week. I don't care about that. He, his last nine missed cuts, he won three times the, the following start. I really thought he would contend, and especially with, with things being as calm as they've been. I'm really surprised to see Rory just go out and go 70-70. It's just been very bland from Rory. Yeah, of the guys that made the cut, real quick, I do want to give a quick shout-out to my boy Antoine Rosner for making yes, the cut on the number in his first-ever British Open. So good job, Tony. Also, shout-out a couple of Cowboys, Ricky Fowler and Taylor Gooch, both sitting there at one over par. Sooner, Abraham answer is it even, and Victor Hovland is at one under par. So maybe one of those guys, I mean, we know there's potentially going to be some low rounds out there, especially these guys are going to be going out early in the morning. Course is going to be soft. It's going to be receptive. Uh, greens are going to be smooth as glass. I, I think we could see uh, one of these guys go out in the morning, and, and the leaders could be sitting there with a 64 already on the board before they put a peg in the ground. Or even a 62, like you mentioned earlier, could possibly yeah. happen. So then all of a sudden, if you see, because with how the tea times work, you're going to have some people get out 
there and finish before some of the afternoon guys tee off. So you're going to see some of the lower scores. And if you see so, if you see three or four 63, 64s come in, those leaders are going to think, man, it's going to be playing easy out there, which then will get in your head that those two unders or those three unders, like you mentioned earlier, Colby, can come up and get you. So. Yeah, and then I just wanted to mention real quick, Will Zalatoris. That is a disappointment in the in a different sense of the of the term. You know, he was sitting there at one under and then hit that shot uh, yesterday and kind of hurt his leg like a sciatic nerve up his left leg into his back uh, and had to withdraw. And I think it's probably the smart thing to do for Will Zalatoris to withdraw because he needs uh, to be able to play the rest of the year because he doesn't have his tour card yet. Yeah. And that's really unfortunate yeah. if he's not able to play anymore the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah was that was two, tough. Two under playing the 15th hole. Right. And then, then obviously, yeah, finished at one under yesterday, but, but still in great position to make the cut and, and tried to come out this morning, thought it might feel better. It was worse, so. We've yeah. all dealt with back trouble. And yeah. everybody's making fun of him on Twitter for that missed short putt. That could have had to do with the back pain a little bit, too. Because, sure. I mean, obviously it was weird and it was bad. But if your back's hurting, your putting's just no. as tough as anything else. It's tougher that's, than anything. That's what I was going to ask is that once they ban um, the arm lock putting, how long will Zalatoris be out there? How long will his balls track and be able to propel well, him? Well, I mean, because his putting's time. not any good right now, and he's using yeah. the arm lock. I, I think but that – He might reinvent himself. Who knows? I think losing the arm lock's going to hurt Bryson more than Zalatoris because, uh, like Sam said, Zalatoris putting – any good as it is so just go left hand low use a claw do something else his putting will still be bad but real quick bad now i want to ask y'all because i was sitting here watching golf and i i think i was talking to you dad about this was that i think you know it, it, it's interesting to see nowadays especially in majors and you look at a bunch of good players coming on the t- on the tv when you watch these majors I think it's the overwhelming majority of guys do not use conventional just short putter conventional grip no, it's almost extinct now. Yeah, it's it's insane because even in the days of you know twenty, you know thirteen or so, uh, it, it was still kind of taboo to use the claw grip or, or you know most guys were going left hand low if they did anything. Uh, but nowadays it seems like you know pretty much everybody is using some other type of grip other than regular conventional. And Morikawa was using conventional on the longer putts, and then. Uh, going with the the, the claw yep. on the uh, and, and on he, the shorter putt. He spoke yeah. to that and said that especially on these slower greens, he doesn't feel like he can get the hit uh, in the longer putts with the claw. So he has to go conventional to kind of you know gauge his speed right. So I've never gotten that. You use the claw. Do you do you switch to conventional on a long putt like I, a seventy footer? No, I don't. I don't. But either. a lot of guys do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. But also, I've got just horrible, horrible yips with the conventional grips. So it could go, <laughs> it could go as far offline as Bryson's driver if I'm hitting a seventy footer with a conventional grip. So, uh, all right, we've got a, a cool little pool we're going to do here over the weekend. You got four groups. You got Group A, Group B, Group C, and Group D, and, and you select four from A, three from B, two one. So Group A is uh, looks like about twelve to fifteen golfers. It's eleven under par. Louis going through all of the five unders. We've got a four golfers each just for to keep it clean for everybody in their brains. We'll just do them. I'll, I'll give my whole lineup. Everybody can give their whole lineup at once. So my four golfers from group A, I'm going to go with uh, Oosthuizen, Morikawa, Spieth, and actually, I don't know. I'm kind of changing my mind. <laughs> while, mid- while you're thinking real quick, we stole this uh, from the great Brad Lund. He sends this after each major. If you, if you listen to our halfway through the U.S. Open recap, me, my dad, and T-Dub uh, did this game as well. So shout does out to – Gives it at the halfway point. Gives yeah. it at the halfway point. And it's not – everyone does not go back to even par. It's just what your total score is. So it's not just based on the last two rounds. The first two rounds count as well. So if you pick Oosthuizen, you got a two-shot lead right now on everybody else. Yeah. It's like the current uh, tour championship format. I, I really want to throw. Uh, <laughs> I really want to throw Rom in there. If I go Usti Morikawa Spieth DJ, I feel like I'm gonna have the same same lineup as everybody else. So I'm actually gonna go Morikawa Spieth DJ Rom. Okay, I'll, I'll leave Usti out, out of mind. I'll make it easy for you. I'm going Usti Morikawa Spieth and DJ. Okay, there you go. So we've got a couple different ones there. I mixed it up just a little bit. Tyler, who you got? Uh, same three as in Louis Morikawa Spieth, and then give me Kepka. He's just a top five major Ooh. machine. So okay, I like it. Greg? I'll go with I, I'll go with Chalk Usti. Uh, Morikawa, Spieth, and DJ. Okay, DJ, DJ just seems like the type. He could throw out a 75 even on nice conditions, just like it's nothing. Yeah, he could. He definitely could. We'll go in uh, reverse order this time, Craig. Give your group B. You need three golfers from this group. It's all the four under and three under guys if you're keeping score at home. All right, I'll go Finau. I'll go with Sam's guy, Cam Smith. The third one is tough for me. 
I what the heck? I'm gonna go with Sergio. All right. Oh, nice, Sergio. Three under. By par. the way, real quick, they showed Sergio's dad on TV today. I've never seen Sergio's dad before. I, I, I just I, I didn't I saw even him realize. back in the early days. Back in the early days in Masters. Well, yeah, but I, I don't remember a that teenager. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> that that was yeah. back in the late nineties. Yeah. I, I don't even remember those days. The main, the whole, the main whole dad, family was there. Yeah. The main dad that usually gets shown is Xander's dad with the big yep. hair and everything. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Tyler, uh, give me give me uh, chalk this time. Give me Cam Smith fee now. And I thought about putting Justin Rose in there, but I'll go with the defending champion Shane Lowry. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Sam, give you three. Right. I'll go Finau, my boy Cam Smith. I do think Finau will play well, by the way, uh, on the weekend if he can roll in some putts because, you know, he's been hitting the ball really well uh, and he just needs that putter to kind of get a little more hot. But I'm going Finau, my boy Cam Smith, and then I'm going uh, Brian Harmon who kind of – set forth the blueprint early on uh, Thursday morning on how to play this course. You just got to hit center of the greens and roll in some putts. Sounds simple, but it's not that easy to do at Royal St. George's. Yeah, no doubt. I'm going to go with Finau, like you both did. I'll go with Shane Lowry, the defending champ at four under. And I'm going to go with Ryan Fox. Ryan Fox, link specialist at four under. Hey, real, uh, I've got him in several DraftKings lineups this week. I real like Real quick, Fox. Dad, you got any thoughts on Shane Lowry? Did, weren't you telling me that you thought about picking him? No, I, I was definitely going to pick him. I talked myself out of it. <laughs> For my dark horse, I'm, I'm mad at myself. Was, Who, who'd you pick instead? Jason Day. <laughs> that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah that's a huge bummer. Uh, group C. Need two golfers from Group C. It's all the guys at two under and one under. So there is just a, a slew of guys in here that you could pick. Um, man, I don't, I don't even know where to start. I guess I'll go with uh, Justin Thomas is probably actually the best player of this group. So I guess I'll go with JT in the calm conditions. Uh, and then give me a guy who's played well two weeks in a row. Give me Johans Veerman. I'll take JT wow, and Johans Veerman. I've got Veerman in several DraftKings. I bet no week. one else is taking him. <laughs> he, he's playing good golf. You're going contrarian here, Colby. Yeah, you, yep. why not? Hashtag why not? I like it. Colby, you, you've given me some names on the European side that I, I got to be honest, I've never heard before this Sam, week. Sam, I did way too much research for this tournament. <laughs> I know more about the How European tournament. How are those DraftKings lineups going, by the way? Uh, not bad. Mostly middle of the pack. Uh, I've got a few six for sixes, though, so... The uh, problem is I don't have Louie or Morikawa in any of them. So if Louie and Morikawa dip it all and like Spieth, DJ, Kepka, Rom. But you those have guys Spieth can, in almost all of them, right? Yeah, I have Spieth, Kepka, and Rom in a bunch of them. Okay. So if those guys can climb and Louie and Morikawa can fall, yep. maybe I could make a little bit of a profit. We'll see. Right. Okay. Well, then in my group C, I'm going to go Victor Hovland and my one and done this week, Justin Thomas. I didn't necessarily think that Justin Thomas was going to, you know, contend to try to win this tournament. I just thought he was the best name of my guys uh, that I hadn't picked in one and done yet. So I'm going Hovland and Thomas. It sounds like JT is going to be a popular pick. I'll go with JT. And I thought it was interesting. They said that he shot his best uh, open, his best open round today. Um, out of all the times he played here, Ian Poulter shot 66. I th I'll take him at minus two. I think Ooh. he'll have a good weekend. Nice. All right. I had Fleetwood and Thomas, but I'm scratching Thomas. I uh, Poulter is uh, – he, he's also playing for a spot on the Ryder Cup team. I mean, trying to, to you know, make an impression. Uh, and like you said, T-Dub, 66 today. I don't know. I, I, I think it does mean something playing in your home country. And, and you notice the cheers were a little louder for the Englishman over there. So I'll go with the two Englishmen in that group. I'll go with Fleetwood and Ian Poulter. And then we'll start with you, Craig, in Group D. It's all the evens and the one-overs. Everybody left who made the cut. We need one golfer from all of the evens and the one-overs. Who you got? All right. One golfer... I'm really not feeling it that much. I, I, I had Shoffley written down. I'm going to scratch him. And speaking of the Englishman, I'll go ahead and go with Fitzpatrick. Okay. Yep. There's nice. a bunch it, of good names on this, by there the are, way. There are. There are. Mr. Skill himself, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Give me give me the king of the backdoor top ten in a major. Give me Rory. Oh, nice. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm a, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, with my champion golf of the year <laughs> abraham answer Very I, nice. I i picked him to win and he he shot one over today he disappointed me but i'm gonna roll with them on the weekend see and i was gonna say that xander was the king of the backdoor top 10 because i don't feel like he's been in contention in a lot of majors lately but we go look at his results and it's like t7 t9 all over the place so i'll go xander at even maybe xander goes 66 65 or something uh and one of these guys get into contention so in that's this game I, fun. I i think that the the evens might you know 
separate these these teams between like you, uh, Colby, yeah. and my dad. I I really think that might you be know the X factor. It might I, be I, the I, X factor. I think Johans Veerman might be. I was the about X to say Colby's X yeah. factor is his players that no one's ever heard of. No before. one went with the Ryder Cup captain, Padre Harrington, at even par. No, he'll be too busy uh, watching the other Europeans. See who he's going to pick here in a couple of months. Yep. Patty had good round though. Good for him to make the cut. Richard yeah. Bland made the cut. Good for him. There yeah. we go. Good for him. Your Second boy, straight major with makeup. Your boy C. Bezel, too. C. Bezel, he added a two under, then he made a dub, quick dub in there somewhere. So, yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. He made back-to-back bogeys is what happened. So, but, uh, but yeah, no, he, he's made the cut, and so that's good for my DraftKings. I've got C. Bez. I'm in a pool where you can enter as many lineups as you want. It's $20 an entry. You pick any five golfers in the world. Any five golfers in the world, you get to drop one score each day. And then your final score at the end of four days uh, is where you go. Uh, so I entered five lineups. I've got two of them that have five of five made cuts, and one of them has Cbez in it. So I need I need some good stuff from Cbez today. I had uh, I had a good good round today. My my four scores today were like eighteen under. So I'm in contention. Wow. He, wow. He's t fifty three right now. He's got like top thirty five written all over him. So <laughs> he's just gonna steady couple under here. T thirty five doesn't doesn't do me a lot of good. I need like a t twelve for Bezaden. I just call it house hit. Cole. I need him to get hot. Uh, parting thoughts. In, in Anything we missed today? Saturday, Sunday coming up. Royal St. George's. They're going low, it looks like. I mean, I just think that Louis Eusthazen would be the feel-good story, but I don't see it happening over the weekend. I think you got to go with Jordan Spieth. Okay, yeah, that's a perfect way to end this show. Give me give me one name, and then we're done. You've got Spieth. I Craig, got Spieth. who you got? Give me a winner. Um, Spieth was my number two choice. I, I had Paul Casey. Like I said, I was kind of going off the grid before the tournament. Uh, if I had to pick right now, in my heart of hearts, I would go with Morikawa. But since I had Spieth as number two beforehand, I'll, I'll stick with Jordan Spieth. Spieth for both the Humphreys. Taylor? Louis win this tournament. There's no doubt about it. Louis winning the <laughs> tournament. Taylor has convinced himself. I'm going with Spieth as well. He was my pre-tournament pick. I uh, had a couple bogeys today, but... Maybe he cleans that up a little bit on the weekend, keeps rolling in some 20-footers. So Y'all two are going with Spieth? Yeah. I'll go DJ. You'll go DJ? Okay. <laughs> Mix it up. You didn't need right. the cards this time, Sam. Yeah, Did I not. need the cards. Yeah, so. needed the cards, didn't have them. So, uh, good stuff. Reminder, everyone, follow us on Twitter, at the 73rd hole. Follow 73rd hole on Instagram. Also, today's Friday, so you won't be able to do it tomorrow or Sunday. But when you get in your car Monday morning at 9 o'clock, turn on to 98.1, the Sports Animal. Craig Humphrey is the hot man on with Matthew Meyer as well. Do a great, great job. Uh, And we'll have, I'm sure, some great Open Championship recap coming your way. Head over to golfoklahoma.org as well uh, and check out everything that they have to offer. Real quick, Dad. NBA Finals, who you got? Um, You know what? I picked Phoenix beforehand. I I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like maybe Milwaukee is going to get this thing done. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like... The Bucks are going to – I know they got to win a game in Phoenix somehow, and that hadn't happened yet. But, no, I, I really don't care that much either way. I, I honestly don't in this finals. I kind of feel the same way. I'm, 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 I'm enjoying happy, it, though. I'd be happy for Paul Orionis. Tyler, Suns, or Bucks? I think the Bucks are going to do it. I'm with Hunt, man. Two I, Bucks. I, I think, I th- I'm, going, I'm going Suns. Okay. I, I, the, the Suns were up 2-0, then it's down 2-2. I just think that, that they have that pressure of having the home court on them, and I think that'll come back. Right. And also, I think Giannis is the best player, obviously, in the series. So. Yeah. When, uh, if he's healthy, when fully the, healthy. When the Bucks beat the Nets, I said the Bucks were winning it all. So I can't bail now. I can't bail at 2-2 in the finals. So three Bucks, one Suns. <laughs> you I, could. Oh, yep. I bet those weren't the answers you were expecting. No, it wasn't. Yeah, so maybe we'll have uh, maybe we'll have some surprising things happen this weekend on the court and on the course. Thanks, everybody, for listening once again to the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.